The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. The truth is that we are in a climate emergency. We have less than 10 years to make substantial changes to our society and way of life and our economy. I want to stress from the outset that this pandemic is far from over. Those who have never fought for the colours they fly should be careful about criticising those who have. You're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Ewan Potts. And good afternoon. I'm Caroline Hepke. Well, Labour is pledging to review hundreds of tax breaks and treat businesses more fairly as Keir Starmer attempts to lay out a distinctive identity for his leadership. The party, of course, is gathering in Brighton for its first in-person annual conference for two years. Well, today's headline announcement is a reform of the business rate system. Labour says they put high street shops at a disadvantage to online retailers. The party says it would cut rates in England before phasing them out completely. Well, while attempting to position itself as more pro-business than under Jeremy Corbyn, the party restated its policy of scrapping tax relief for private schools. In an interview yesterday, Keir Starmer ruled out taking energy companies into public ownership, reversing a position he took during the leadership election. We'll get on some of the big lines from the Cardi conference in a second and uh, on the current all-consuming crisis of fuel shortages. Well, Labour leader Keir Starmer has said that there is a complete lack of planning by the government over the shortage of truck drivers. Labour Treasury spokeswoman Rachel Reeves said this morning that the government is tweeting out in capital letters, there is no fuel crisis. I don't know anything that's more likely to induce a panic. Well, let's uh, discuss all these issues now with uh, Bridget Philipson, Shadow Chief Secretary of the Treasury. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today on Bloomberg Westminster. Now, this looks like um, a, a tougher line from Labour against the Conservatives. Uh, is the fuel crisis the result of bad planning and Brexit, though? Well, of course, there are factors like uh, the pandemic and Brexit, and they're important. But... We had a massive shortage of HGV drivers going into, you know, going into this crisis. Um, and we've known for, for some time that with the changing nature of the workforce, you know, the workforce was getting older, um, that the government needed to plan and take action to get more people to come into the sector and to drive up paying conditions for people to make it more attractive. Um, and sadly, I think what we're seeing is the direct result of the government's failure to think ahead and to plan ahead. Uh, bringing in the army, uh, offering visas to attract HGV drivers, are they not solutions at least for the tr- crisis? I mean, short-term solutions are absolutely essential because we do need to make sure that people are able to uh, get access to, to fuel and provisions. Of course, that's incredibly important, but it's no substitute for having a longer-term plan for how you deal with those um, systemic issues. And until we see action from the government to work with the sector to get more people working it as HGV drivers, we're not going to see uh, the action that's needed. I mean, it was just a matter of months ago that ministers were accusing the industry of crying wolf and claiming there was no problem. And yet here we are today in a situation where we're talking about the government having to bring in the army. On 
the tax plans, the, the Tories have very much parked their tanks on, on your territory, uh, increasing taxes to pay for the NHS. What does Labour have to offer on, on this front? We've seen, obviously, a really terrible 18 months, both for businesses and for workers. And what we believe the approach that should be taken, the approach that Rachel Rees will be setting out in her speech, is that Labour will tax fairly, will spend wisely, and will get the economy firing on all cylinders. Now that means government working with business to create jobs and opportunity in every part of our country. But it also means that when the government's spending money, it's always focused on the value that you get out of every single pound, uh, making sure it has best possible effect. We've seen extraordinary waste uh, of public money during this pandemic, uh, and we would do things differently. Is there enough real policy in what is being discussed at the um, party conference? I noticed that the shadow chancellor, former shadow chancellor, John MacDonald, who's been on the programme before and has never won not to throw some criticism at Keir Starmer, well, he lobbed this, that the pamphlet that Starmer um, wrote and published just before the party conference last um, week he described that as banality after banality, that there was, a, you know, a lot of um, writing, a lot of words, but not enough kind of politics in there. What would you say in response to, to that? I mean, not for the first time I, uh, I happen to disagree with them uh, on that. I mean, I think what we're seeing uh, today from our Shadow Chancellor, Rachel Rees, is a focus not just on the fiscal rules and the approach that Labour would take to the public finances, uh, on the office of value for money, but also a really ambitious agenda around completely overhauling the way in which uh, business rates operate in our country. So we will put forward a different system that better reflects the changes that have taken place in the economy. So a more modern system of taxation that understands both uh, our high streets, but also our online businesses too. So we would um, end business rates in the long run, but in the short term, we think they should be frozen and for smaller businesses to be cut to really support our high streets to thrive once more. So I think we're setting out quite a big agenda around the different choices that a Labour government would be would be taking. How will Labour get uh, the likes of Amazon to pay more tax when others haven't managed it? Well, part of that, of course, is around, um, around the discussions that are taking place around the global minimum. Uh, and we think the government should be more closely aligned with the US on setting a more ambitious level on that. Uh, these, you know, the way in which um, business and technology has changed, made these challenges cross borders, means that we do have to see international cooperation on that. But in the short term, in, un- in order to fund um, support for our high streets with a cut in their business rates, we would increase the digital services tax for, for the next year in order to fund that and give greater support to our bricks and mortar businesses, which will be the backbone um, of local economies, but will also be central to the recovery as well. Okay, what has happened to the idea of taxing the wealthy? Has that idea been dropped or do you see that as part of the policy offering? I'm not sure that I know where that is. I mean, we've set out the principles that would govern the decisions a Labour government would take around taxation. And obviously, you you wouldn't expect me to set out line by line um, every point that we'll be putting Mm. into our manifesto at the next election. But I think the broad principle that those with the broader shoulders should contribute more And that means rather than the government's approach of hitting workers and their jobs through national insurance contribution rises, as as we've seen, but also Rachel Reeves, our shadow chancellor, set out how we would uh, close the carried interest loophole for private equity. Um, We've also set out how we would uh, remove the exemptions that exist for private schools around VAT and business rates. There are a range of different options that, that can be considered. And we've also said today that we'll be looking very closely 
at all of those tax reliefs that get passed through Parliament, just sit on the books and are never looked at again. Some of them don't deliver good value for money for the public and we would uh, look at them over in, in great detail. Let's talk a little bit about uh, internal politics. Uh, Keir Starmer uh, winning, very narrowly winning a vote on changing the party rules, 53% in his favour, but he had to repeatedly water down his uh, proposals to, to, to get them through. It's not really, uh, you wouldn't really call it a, a stunning victory for the leadership, would you? I think we've got to a good place on all of this. It's a, a sensible, balanced set of measures that will mean the Labour Party is outward looking and not just talking amongst ourselves. I mean, as has been all too often the case in recent years. So the changes will cover how we select our leader, also how MPs are reselected. But all of the changes that have been brought forward mean our focus will be back on the country uh, once more, not just on internal matters. And, and I'm, I'm really pleased that we've um, seen those important changes made at conference. Okay, um, but you've said that you know you don't want to go line by line, and Keir Starmer has said this too um, about the offering that you may bring at the next general election that you don't want to sort of detail the manifesto. But actually, is there enough wow factor, enough outward lookingness in terms of this party conference to make voters start thinking about uh, actually ticking that ballot paper in favour of Keir Starmer? I mean, it's all you know, well and good to be competent, but it's it's kind of the wow factor that's needed too, isn't it? I think obviously the, the first part of the conference does tend to focus on a lot of the internal rules and changes that we need to make. But from today, you know, Rachel Rees will be setting out um, a very ambitious agenda around uh, business and the economy. We'll hear more from Keir Starmer on Wednesday. But I think what we've had to say around every child getting the best possible start in life by ending those exemptions for private schools, um, what we've been saying around the need to uh, decarbonise steel uh, and invest in jobs of the future and make that transition to net zero and our offer for the high streets and the small businesses, um, I think they set a very clear direction about uh, the priorities that Labour has, but actually the priorities, I think, of the British people. You know, they want to see thriving high streets, they want good quality, well-paid jobs and they want more money in their pocket to spend, not a government that is taking money out in the form of universal credit cards, increasing their national insurance and obviously all of the pressures that people are facing right now um, with rising costs. For most of this year, despite it being a a very tough year, the Tories have been ahead in the opinion polls. What does Labour need to do? What what, what will be a success from this conference and what will see Labour uh, uh, move into the lead? I mean, conference is a tremendous opportunity uh, that we only get once a year to really set out our stall and for Keir to show to the public Um, that he can be the next Prime Minister of our country. And I'm confident he'll do that on Wednesday when he gives his speech. I mean, you know, I think during the pandemic, the public quite rightly expected us just to pull together in the national interest. And politics as normal was was really kind of suspended. I think we're moving to a different period now. And that's why we're setting out uh, the plans that we have for how we would do things differently on the economy, on public services, and the kind of country that we want to build. Um, You know, I joined the Labour Party because I believe Britain's a great place to live, but it can be even better still. And we need to transform our country um, to mean that, you know, wherever you're from and whichever family you happen to be born into, you get every opportunity in life and everything we're saying around education and children and young people is a part of that too.
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Well, let's have a look at what else is making news in the world of politics before we get back to that Labour Party conference. So Boris Johnson is under increasing pressure to ease a supply chain crisis after pandemic buying at petrol pumps saw a number of fuel stations running dry. The UK is to temporarily drop competition rules that allow companies to work together to ensure supply. The Transport Secretary Grant Shapp said there is plenty of fuel nationwide and people should be sensible. It's not like we don't have the fuel in the country. Uh, We do need to just ensure that people are filling up when they need to fill up rather than thinking, I better go and fill up now just in case I need it next week or the week after. The Resolution Foundation says the government's furlough scheme has been a job well done, supporting 11.5 million workers at a cost of £70 billion. Furlough finally ends this week, some 18 months after it was brought in during the first lockdown. The think tank warns, though, that the country is set for a bumpy autumn as the furlough withdrawal coincides with rising energy bills and the £20 a week cut to universal credit. Well, scientists from Oxford University say that the coronavirus pandemic has caused the biggest decrease in life expectancy since World War II. Out of 29 countries uh, surveyed, 27 saw reductions in life expectancy in 2020 and at a scale which wiped out years of progress when it comes to mortality. In most nations, men saw larger life expectancy declines than women. Well, let's get back to Labour now. Conference has voted in favour of Sir Keir Starmer's plans to overhaul the party's rules. The changes opposed by many on the left give MPs more of a say in choosing its future leaders and they make it harder for members to deselect MPs. Well, joining us now is Richard Bergen, Labour MP for Leeds East and a former Shadow Cabinet Minister under Jeremy Corbyn. Thank you so much for joining us today on Bloomberg Westminster, Richard. Um, do you get a sense that the left has, has lost its grip on the party? Well, obviously, the left candidate uh, for leader and the left candidate for deputy leader didn't win the last leadership election in the Labour Party uh, last year. But actually, being at conference, I think that the uh, rumours of uh, the demise of the Labour left are, are very much overstated. It's been important victories, actually, for the left at party conference. For example, the Electoral College, this idea that each MP would have the equivalent of 2,000 members' votes in the future leadership election. That was defeated. Very importantly on policy, the Green New Deal motion, which they tried to stop getting to conference at all, went to conference and was passed overwhelmingly. And that was a radical, bold programme on tackling climate catastrophe and also included important um, commitments to public ownership across the public uh, utilities. So I think that the the left is still a very significant significant force in the Labour Party. The great error I think the leadership has made going into this conference has gone into this conference looking at inward uh, matters. These ideas of changing the rules around uh, selecting Keir's replacement once he uh, goes. And I think that was a big mistake because we're in a moment of crisis and millions of people in the country are looking to the Labour leadership for policy solutions. So that's what we need to be getting on to. 
Okay. Does this strengthen or weaken Keir Starmer? Does this strengthen or weaken the Labour Party, though? There has been a lot of internal, have been a number of significant internal issues for the Labour Party in recent months. And and the idea, uh, it seems, of Starmer trying to sort out internally what Labour is doing is to give it strength to confront the next general election stronger. Do, do you think that... Um, do you think that that, that that is helped by by resolving some of these issues? I think Keir has weakened himself uh, through this pursuit of these rule changes. I mean, remember, these rule changes presumably won't be applicable until Keir's gone. We're wanting Labour to win the next general election. We're wanting Keir Starmer to become Prime Minister. So this focus on how his replacement as leader is chosen at some point in the future makes us look out of touch and irrelevant as people concerned about the universal credit cut, concerned about the national insurance hike, concerned about human food shortages, concerned about poverty. And we're having this inward-looking uh, debate at the start of conference. I think it's a distraction. Uh, I think he has allowed himself to be used. He didn't get what he really wanted, which was this electoral college, where MPs have had a third of the votes in total. Um, and some real changes have been made. I think far more significant was the fact that the conference passed this policy uh, on a Green New Deal. That was very significant indeed. That's the biggest crisis that we face. Mm. On the rule change on anti-Semitism, did you vote in favour of the Equality and Human Rights Commission uh, amendment? Well, I don't get to vote in that because I'm not a delegate. It's only delegates uh, who vote in in such matters. And and what's what's your view on the motion? Well, my view is that it's, it's very important that the party uh, tackles anti-Semitism uh, where it occurs uh, in the party and also in the wider society. So we need to move forward to tackle you know, racism uh, in all its forms. We also need to look uh, at Islamophobia. And what we're seeing is all forms of racism, including, including anti-Semitism, are on the rise in society to the party really needs to be at the forefront of tackling that. Okay, so that on anti-Semitism. What about this word, scum? Your deputy leader, Angela Rayner, says that the Conservatives are scum. Do you agree with her? Well, Boris Johnson and his uh, cabinet have on their hands the blood of tens of thousands of people, and that's not putting it too boldly, because through their negligence, through their wrong priorities, through their heartlessness, actually, in the way they've mismanaged this pandemic, that has led to the unnecessary death of tens of thousands of people in our society. People have died because of the way they've handled this pandemic, because their priority has been, for example, uh, outsourcing contracts to failed private companies like Circa, uh, Test, uh, Track uh, and Trace. So they are guilty of really treating people in our society appallingly. I okay. think the... But but just to follow up on that, is that a yes then? Would you call them scum? Because there's a difference between putting those points across and using that language. Well, at the end of the day, there's a big focus on what Angela said, but there should be a, a bigger focus on the wrongs the Conservative government have done. It seems strange to me that uh, everyone's busy trying to uh, tell Angela off for what she said and she feels very strongly about it. Whereas the real issue, the real issue is where the Conservatives have presided of the unnecessary deaths of tens of thousands of people in our country, the fact that they're going to be pushing half a million people more into poverty through this universal credit cost, the fact they're going to be doing the um, pushing to a very regressive uh, burden on working people through the national insurance hike. 
so, so I think it's all pretty much uh, a storm in it's storm in the teacup. Do you think the Tories are callous or incompetent? I, I think they're both. Uh, I think they're both. Uh, I think they have the wrong priorities. Yes, they're incompetent, but it goes far further than that. You know, they pursue this ideological obsession of handing things to the private sector during the pandemic. Test, track and trace, uh, you know, is, is, a, is a real example of that. Uh, that failed in private hands. Whereas the work done by the NHS, the work done by local authorities was done very effectively indeed. And that's no coincidence. So we've seen uh, corrupt COVID contracts from this government. Uh, we've seen mismanagement. And look how they treated uh, people uh, in our care homes, sending people back to care homes with, with COVID, leading to unnecessary deaths. Mm. And I hope that we'll really get truth and justice for people through this uh, COVID inquiry. Okay. Um, the factionalism within the Labour Party, is it turning off the unions? Obviously key to, to the party, but at least Unite, now led by a new woman, Sharon Graham. Yes, she's had a couple of meetings with Keir Starmer, but she's not turning up to conference. And in her interviews, she said she's focusing on workers and on you know the industrial disputes and so on that she represents. Is Labour now actually in danger of a tipping point where the unions aren't, aren't behind you as much? Well, there's been fantastic engagement from uh, unions uh, in this conference. I mean, I was watching, for example, the other day, uh, Matt Rack, the General Secretary of the Fire Brigade Union, give a fantastic speech in support of the, uh, the Green New Deal motion which passed. Sharon Graham has got a fantastic track record before becoming General Secretary, an industrial organiser, and she's going to do a great job as General Secretary of Unite. She's just been elected. I think there are 16 strikes going on at the moment involving Unite members. She was elected three weeks ago, and she's prioritising this week visiting them on their picket lines, speaking to them and dealing with those disputes. But she's also uh, weighed in on the political issues. You know, for example, she made clear, and I totally agree with her, that the attempt to introduce this uh, electoral college made us look uh, irrelevant and out of touch. Uh, and she made clear that Unite uh, delegates were going to be voting against that and voting to support re uh, retaining the much more democratic one-member, one-vote in leadership elections. And it's good that we uh, succeeded with that. Keir Starmer said that he wanted to unite the party, both wings of the party. But uh, judging by his actions on the people he's brought in and the policies he's brought in, he's not doing that, is he? He's very much uh, siding with a different side of the party, not your side of the party. Well, the, the truth is, um, Keir made 10 pledges uh, to Labour members. Uh, those pledges uh, helped him to get elected. In fact, they were the reason that he got uh, uh, elected. And I think those pledges, you know, can still bring mm. the party together if they were okay. enacted. And those pledges can actually gain majority support in the country, these practical policies. However, uh, I would counsel Keir Starmer that to fail to honour your own pledges isn't a good look for the country. It'll be exploited by the right-wing media, it'll be exploited by the Tories, and it'll be very uh, unhelpful in terms of the quest to get the Labour and Keir into Downing Street. But what I want to see is the Labour leadership showing as much... Uh, energy and enthusiasm for taking the fight to the Tories, as they have done, taking the fight to their own membership. The membership is the lifeblood of our party and is a great ally in trying to get a Labour government. So let's focus on the, taking uh, the fight to the Tories. As I say, they've presided over tens of thousands of unnecessary deaths. Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London.
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.